0: This is This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, episode number 5, for the week of July 26, 2009. Can I get a bat, please? This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball is brought to you by Fansided.com. All-star fans, all-star content. Need to get your sports fix? Check it out today at Fansided.com. Coming up in episode number five, we are joined by Greg Eno of gregeno.com and Jay Ellett Lambie of eyeofthetigers.com to talk about the New York Yankees series and the Seattle Mariners series. And in our prospects out of the prowl segment, we look at Casey Crosby, the lefty who the Tigers will not trade. It's time to slap on the throwback jersey. Sit back and relax. No need to buy home tickets here. It's This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, episode number five, and it starts now.
1: High drive into left field. This ball is hit well, way back. Luciano will watch it fly. It's gone.
0: For a second, the 1-0. Swing a fly ball. Wow. Left field is wow. deep. It's way back. The Tigers are going to the World Series. Bringing the best Detroit
1: Tigers bloggers together to talk about our team. Sponsored by MotorCityBingles.com. It's This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, and it starts
0: now. Welcome to the fifth edition of This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball for your Saturday, July 25th, 2009. I am your host, Joe Dexter of MotorCityBingles.com. Coming up a little bit later, Greg Eno of GregEno.com and Jay Ellett Lambie of of EyeOfTheTigers.com will join us to talk about last week's action against the New York Yankees and the Seattle Mariners. It's been a rough start since the beginning of the second half, and Manager Jim Leland says the Tigers' offense really needs to step it up. They've been shut down since the All-Star break.
1: You know, we just haven't had enough offense, and it looked like the other night it was. I thought we had really had a great approach, and then we get shut down two days in a row. You know, there's not really much you can say about
0: it. The Tigers' offense responded in games number one and two of the series last night and yesterday afternoon in doubleheader action, winning both of them. Shortstop Adam Ever brings up a great point. The Tigers still have a lot of baseball left to play.
1: It's tough to scoreboard watch right now. I mean, we've still got two months left in the season, two plus months, and there's a lot of baseball to be played. And, you know, until we go out there and do that, it's, uh, you know, there's just a lot of talk right now. I mean, I think we still have 80 games left or 70 games left. I mean, that's a lot of games to be played.
0: Yes, sir Adam, that is a lot of games left to be played, but Miguel Cabrera said it right as well. Detroit needs to play Tigers baseball against the White Sox, or they won't stand a chance in this division. I think like we can if we play good, we play aggressive, we play like good thing we, we are, I think we 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 can beat this guy. or if we still play like we play right now, we, we're not gonna do nothing, you know. That's a question burning internally in all Detroit Tiger fans' minds. Is this team the team that's playing the way they are now, or are they capable of doing better? We'll be joined by Jay Ellett Lambie of Eyeofthetigers.com and Greg Eno of Greg Eno.com to talk about that subject, as well as the Seattle Mariners series and the New York Yankees series. That's all coming up. Keep it right here. It's this week in Detroit Tigers baseball on MotorCityBengals.com, part of the fan-sided network.
1: We're proud to be standing there like a house on the side of the road, and we cheer when your tiger hits it long gone. MotorCityBangles.com, part of the Fansided Network at Fansided.com.
0: All Star Fans, All Star Content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40. Fandom has no offseason, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. Welcome
1: back to This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball. Here's your host, Joe Dexter.
0: This week in Detroit Tigers baseball, bringing the best Detroit Tigers bloggers together to talk about your team. Joining me this week, Greg Eno of gregeno.com. Hey, Greg, how's it going?
2: Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it.
0: Also joining us is Jay Ellett Lambie of eyeofthetigers.com. Hey, Jay, how's it going, bud?
1: Very well. Thanks again uh, for having me along, Joe.
0: Yeah, no problem. This week we've got a lot to talk about, some key injuries going into the week next week. We've also got some bad play, some good play a little bit here and there. So let's get right to it. Let's start with the New York Yankees series and losing Joel Zumaya out possibly for the season. The latest on him is that he could be out for the season if he goes with surgery or he could be back in a few weeks and it looks like he's got that same hairline fracture that he had in the shoulder last year. And let's go right to Greg on this one. Is Joel Zumaya going to be a factor down the stretch, you think?
2: No, unfortunately. I really would be surprised to see him pitch again this this year. Um, it, It just this was just a really big setback as far as I'm concerned, uh, both for the Tigers and for Joel personally. Um, I was very disheartened, very disheartened when I heard the news because uh, of everything that, you know, he's gone through to, to come back. I know he hasn't pitched all that well this year. He's been kind of up and down, but be that as it may, as, as far as, you know, he goes as a, as a person at the age that he's at, um, you know, it just kind of opens up another can of worms that, um, you know, is uh, Difficult to have to contend with at
0: this point. For Joel Zumaya, looking ahead to 2010, we'll go to Jay on this one. Is he now a starter candidate considering that he's been injured in the bullpen throwing so hard and maybe that if he can figure out his stuff because he does have good stuff, that he should be a starter now?
1: I don't know that you can make that argument at this point because of the injury factors that we're talking about. Uh, There's enough stress put on his arm and on his body from throwing one or two innings. And I understand the principle. He was a starter in the minor leagues. He would fill a need in this team going forward. But I don't know that you can make any Mm -hmm. assumption about 2010 at this point with what's going on with his shoulder. Uh, A fracture is serious. This is not a pulled muscle where you give it a couple of weeks and some rest, and it's fine. I mean, this is uh, an integral part of his delivery. And and I tend to agree with Greg that that I, I think this year is going to be a a lot of campaign for him, and, and I just don't know that health-wise he's going to be able to contribute anything next year. I hope so, but uh, I think it's a coin flip.
0: Both of you guys on the program before about Rick Porcello said if you've got a wild horse, you got to let him run. We've talked about Joel Zumaya in the past. He's been injured throughout his career. You've got a relief arm here. Do you let him heal a bit, and if he's willing to go out there and throw in 2009, do you throw him back out there? We'll start with Jay Elliott. If
1: you know, he's arbitration eligible at the end of this year. Joel has uh, never really been able to put together a full season, uh, except for 2006. And I know that he wants to prove himself that he can be a valuable part of this team at a pennant race. I, I know that he wants to put himself in a position for free agency in a couple of years where he can cash in on that. But I, again, I just don't know that he's going to be able to physically give you what he needs to give you. And, um, it's in the hands of guys like Kevin Rand right now more so than, than Rick
0: Knapp Greg if you were in Dave Dombrowski's situation and Zumaya and Kevin Rand came to you and said hey we're ready to go in 2009 down the stretch would you put Zumaya in?
2: Boy I tell ya you, you know I guess it all comes down to um, to say no would almost infer that you don't trust you know the guys that are put in charge of those kinds of decisions but sometimes I think you go with your heart and your gut and um, you know I would be very, very cautious about that. I, I I it just really makes me feel uncomfortable. Here we are almost August to think that he could uh within the next five, six weeks come back in, in uh in time for a September rush. I I just I would have to be extremely convinced no no disrespect to Kevin Rand. I would I would I think I would need much more medical uh assurances other than from Kevin Rand that um you know, that we're not going to do something that's going to end this kid's career, and that's and that's that's the kind of thing I start to think about right now. I start to think about his career, not so much this season. I I think about what the implications could be for him uh, going forward.
0: Later we'll take a look at some trade possibilities in the bullpen, but right now I want to keep it with the New York Yankees series and the offense only able to put together five runs. It was a struggle. The road record has been harsh so far for the Detroit Tigers, 21-29 and 29 on the year. So, Jay, we look at this this offensive implosion in the fact that they don't score any runs in a Yankee stadium of all places where the ball has been flying out. Is that is that going to continue to be an issue until we find a bat in this lineup?
1: Well, I think it's been an issue long before the Yankees series and since then. Uh, of the 92 games the Tigers have played this year, 42 times, they've scored three runs or less uh, in that Yankees series, they hit one for 26 with runners in scoring position. And, and that really was the, the Achilles' heel. And since the All-Star break, their numbers have been atrocious in that category. In fact, going back to about the middle of June. So I think, unfortunately, we, we are looking at a lineup that is, has a lot of ifs and maybe if Carlos Guillen can come back and, and give them something, if the Tigers can go and pick up a bat, if Brandon Inge can continue to play through this injury, that's not the kind of confidence you want to have uh, going down the stretch. And uh, Miguel Cabrera has really been the only guy in this lineup, save Brandon Inge and Curtis Granderson, who is intimidating anybody. He's the only guy that forces – uh, opposing pitchers uh, to alter their game plan. And I think what he's done uh, with the lack of support around him, because again, Curtis is a leadoff hitter, Brandon's been hitting 6 7 all year, has been remarkable. And unless they find a way to put somebody behind or in front of Miguel Cabrera that can regularly get on base and drive in runs, uh, it's going to be a long fall.
0: It sure will be. And going back to the Yankees series, Greg, you and Big Al on the Knee Jerks were talking about Curtis Granderson this year and how he's been respectable, powerful-wise, but he needs to get back to the Curtis Granderson we all know to have success. Do you see that happening anytime soon? I don't think we saw it in the Yankees series.
2: Well, like uh, what Jay said, I mean, uh, that's been a problem long before New York. Uh, I was... uh, I was amazed, frankly, that Curtis made the All Star team because his numbers outside of the home runs are not very good. I mean, for a leadoff hitter, especially 255. Uh, you know, I think he's got like 10 doubles or just a handful of triples. Ironically, he hit a, he hit a triple in the All Star game. But uh, I don't know that he can, you um, know, all of a sudden just become that guy again. I don't know what's happened. I really don't. Uh, uh, I think that he's. Uh, um uh, just, you know, you talk about sometimes guys quietly having a good year, and I think he's quietly having a bad year. Nobody's really taken him to task. I mentioned that on the knee jerks. Nobody's really taken this guy to task. I love Curtis Grannerson as much as anybody, but he's gotten a free pass this year from the media, and, and if you look into this guy's season, he's, he's not having a good year. And, uh, when he's not having a good year, and plus a Polanco behind him who's also not having a very good year, average-wise, you know, when those two guys aren't doing what they do best, the rest of that lineup just looks sick and I think that's what you're seeing right now. And Cabrera, his numbers are look good on paper, but he hasn't really, frankly, put the team on his back and carried them like like the big like the big boys that Jim Jim Lewin used the term big boys a few weeks ago. You know, he hasn't really he's he's kind of got his numbers kinda of quietly. So you know, I don't see anybody in the lineup really that is making a big, huge difference. Um, Sometimes you've got to inject something into the lineup. I know we're going to talk about trades later, but right now they need a a jump start in the the worst way.
0: It is very true, and I hate to go back to Joel Zumaya, but he's a big story in the New York Yankees series. You look at what Jim Leland did. He stuck him in there for 30 pitches about a little bit longer than that, I think. Would you have done that in that situation, Jay? Would you have kept Zumaya in for 30 pitches?
1: Well, the way Joel had been pitching prior to that appearance, I don't know if I would have went to him in that spot to begin with. But Jim has demonstrated that with his bullpen arms, uh, with Brandon Lyon uh, has thrown 30 pitches or more, I think four times this year. It's happened to Joel a couple of times. Uh, Bobby C. is is getting worked right into the ground. That seems to be his philosophy, that if his guy is out there, he's going to ride him un- until he gets out of that any one way or another.
0: That seems to have been the case so far. We talk about Bobby C. We'll talk about him when we talk about the Mariner series currently going on and how he's given up his first two home runs. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But continuing with Curtis Granderson and Joel Zumaya, Greg, you and Big Al talked about the fact that maybe Curtis Granderson is into too many things outside of baseball and how Lynn Henning brought that up. What do you think on that situation? Do you think that Granderson might be too deep into other things right now?
2: Well, you know, it's one of those things where it's not an issue if he's hitting 295 and has 25 doubles and 10 triples and all that other stuff. And then it's nobody will say anything about all the things that he's doing outside of baseball. But because he's not doing those things on the field, then naturally you're looking for reasons why he's not doing those things on the field. And a, uh, I think that kind of a, a theory that was put forth by Lynn Henning is as good as any. Uh, only because um, you, you, it's it's a possibility. I mean, you know, Curtis is a guy like Jim Leland says who hates to say no to anybody. Um, you know, you won't find anybody in the Detroit media, myself included, who will say anything but nice things about Curtis in terms of his his uh, being gracious, his being willing to talk, his uh, his uh, you know the way he just presents himself. But the results on the field are not are not indicative of what this guy's capable of. So whether he's in just having a bad year, like we talked about in New Jersey, just a fluke, or whether he's gotten himself too much into other things that are off the field related, then, you know, something is not right with this guy. And, and, and so when things aren't right, then you start to look for reasons why. And Lynn's theory, I think, is as good as any. Whether it's true, we don't know, of course, and that's difficult to prove. But it's, uh, I think it's not a, I don't think it's a, a harebrained theory. I think, I think it makes sense.
0: Well, the Yankees series ended up being a sweep for the Yankees and the Tigers fall in all three games, no offense included. And this is a point in the season where I was starting to think maybe this team isn't going to stay in first place. There's always the hope. But this is, for me, was one of the first signs that this team is going to fall off the mat. And we'll go to Jay on this one. Did you did you start to get those feelings now or have you had them before? Or when did that start to settle in?
1: At the risk of being... Uh doomsayer i've been worried about the tigers ability to hold on to first place for probably about six or eight weeks now and i think one of the big factors why they're and there are two reasons that come to mind i should say why they're leading this division they've had excellent starting pitching the last four to six weeks and in general this year and the rest of the al central has been just about as good as a junior high school league uh the Twins and White Sox have both had numerous opportunities to go on runs and take over first place and have failed to do that. Um, I don't know how much longer you can really put so much pressure on the starting pitching and and lean so heavily on one side of the ball club. I don't mean to say that the sky is falling. I think ultimately there are pieces on this team that are good enough to help them win the division. With a couple of correct moves, this team can pull out of a mediocre crop of teams and have a chance in the postseason but unless something changes be it new personnel uh, a new approach through coaching or or whatever else it may be i i don't know that as constituted now this team can hold on to first place for more than two or three weeks
0: greg go to you on this thought after the yankees series did you start to get that feeling or when have you had that feeling that maybe this team isn't going to stick in first place
2: Probably um, a week or two leading up to the All Star break, I had uh, my doubts. Um, I didn't think that that they would fare too well in New York. Although I didn't think that they would lose the way that they did, I thought instead that they might, uh, that the pitching might fall apart a little bit and, and show some chinks in the armor, and they might lose up in, in some more higher scoring games as opposed to all the lower scoring games that they lost in. But I, didn't feel, I don't feel comfortable with them matched up against the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Rays or the Angels. I, I just don't think um, that they're in that class. Um, Jay's right that the, uh, the Tigers had their chance earlier, probably in, in June, to really create some daylight when they were playing better baseball than they are now uh, when the rest of the division was really struggling. Nobody was above 500 except the Tigers, if you remember. And that was the time where they really could have put some daylight between them, uh, them, themselves and the division so that when they did stumble a little bit, they would have a little more of a pad. Now they've got very little, if any, margin for error. Big series, obviously, coming up with the White Sox this weekend. Um, so I, I'm not comfortable with them in, in, in being in that, in that upper echelon of the American League. Even if, they, even if they hold on to win the division, I don't know that they would, be, they would make much noise in the playoffs.
0: Well, guys, when we come back, we'll talk about the Seattle Mariners series and some trade pieces that the Tigers should think about adding. That's all coming up on This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUSKids.org. I don't know how to talk like a parent. Don't make me come back there. You see what I mean? It's pretty awful. Try it again. Don't make me come back there. Now, that's pretty good. That one kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens
1: in foster care who would love to put up with you. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Adopt Us
0: Kids and the Ad Council.
1: Welcome back to this week in Detroit Tigers baseball. Here's your host, Joe Dexter.
0: Let's make the switch over to the Seattle series so far in game number one. A big, big lead and all of a sudden it shrinks. Maglio Ordonius with the grand slam. What you guys have the feeling in this game? Was it a feeling that, hey, maybe that we can break out of this, this is going to be a good series, or was it just maybe some false hopes considering that the team was up so big and the pitching gave it up? We'll start with Jay Allen.
1: Well, a good friend of mine once told me that a broken clock is still right twice a day, and I, I think that offensively that's what you saw in that first game. With all due respect to Garrett Olsen, Garrett Olson is a mediocre major league pitcher, and that's what happens to mediocre major league pitchers. They get shelled. Uh, I was very happy to see Maglio turn on that pitch and put it into the seats. I mean, and nothing makes me smile more than to see a guy like that succeed. But uh, it seems to be more of a blip on the radar for me than an indication that he's figured it out. And the scary part of that game was despite scoring, you know, whatever it was, eight runs in the first three or four innings, it turned out to be a nail-biter down to the very end.
0: Greg, your thoughts on this Seattle series so far, that big home run for Megalordonius, did you kind of think they could come out of it at this point?
2: No, I don't think that at this point. I, I um, You know, I mean, we've seen this before. Well, they'll bust out and they'll score 9, 10, 11 runs, and then uh, the bats go quiet. It's exactly what happened in, so far in this series. Uh, you know, a little home cooking doesn't hurt. They played well at home. They seem to hit better at home. Um, but this doesn't surprise me. I mean, you're going to see this uh, this, this inconsistency is is going to continue. Uh, is going to have to do a lot more than a grand slam um, to, to make me think that he's out of it. I think that he's got to go on a tear. I don't know if he's capable of doing that. But, uh, you know, you can't. It's baseball. It's 162 games. You're going to score. Even the crappy teams score 10, 11 runs on occasion. So you've got to do it consistently. I'm not saying you got to score 10 runs every night. you got to start you know, four, five, six runs a night to to, um, go on a little bit of a run here to take some of the pressure off these arms. These guys have to go out and and pitch the game of their life to even give the Tigers a chance to win. And so, you know, I'm not encouraged at all. I would be more encouraged if they do it for 8, 10, 12 games in a row.
0: We saw that happen in the second game of the Mariners series where Armando Calarraga pitched really well. He couldn't win the game though because they couldn't muster any offense. And Greg, if you got to see that start for Armando Galarrago, could you give us a little rating on it? What you thought he looked like? If he looked good out there?
2: You know, well, he did obviously. You know, the thing about Armando is he, he's 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 all about location, and uh, he's much better. And this is going to sound very um, obvious, but he's much better when he throws uh, when he starts off all in one. Um, there's something about him when he gets ahead of the hitters that he's such a much better pitcher. And again, I know that sounds obvious because I know that it applies to a lot of other pitchers, but especially in his case, uh, when he's got, uh, uh, location and he's got command of his, uh, of his fastball and, and puts it in the right place. Um, he, he's almost effortless out there. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was exciting to watch him, you know, pitch like that. It, it was disheartening, of course, to see it wasted, but you know, he, uh, He's showing some signs in the last five or six weeks of maybe being the kind of guy that he was last year, and uh, which is a big help, of course. But uh, it was a good start, and, and he's, had, he's had a lot more of those than he's had that one lately.
0: Definitely a key is Armando Galarraga being the Armando Galarraga of last year, or at least somewhere in between of what he's been so far in 2009 and of 2008. And Jay Ellett, going back to that performance against the Mariners, it's going to take more starts like that, isn't it, for this team to be successful?
1: Well, certainly, and I think Greg hit the nail right on the head with with location. That that is Armando's linchpin, and he was locating like crazy in that start. Mm-hmm. He was working both sides of the plate with his cutter and his sinker, which is what makes him effective. He's never been a power guy, and this makes about four starts in a row now where he has been more than good enough to get a win. And if you couple that with Edwin Jackson and Justin Verlander, and you have three guys. And, you know, maybe Rick Porcello factors into that. Maybe he doesn't. But you have three guys at the top of your rotation that can go out and limit your opponent to a couple free runs a game. That's a good sign. So I was very encouraged by what I saw, and, and I agree that in order to get to the postseason, they're going to need three to four quality starters every week. Once they get there in a short series, sure, you can trot out Justin and Edwin four times in a seven-game series and take your chances. But if they want to get there, they're going to need Armando Galarraga to, to be what he was in his last start.
0: Going off of the Mariners series, we're done with that. Let's get to the other topics. One of the big topics we haven't talked about is Brandon Inch ailing knees. What a warrior out there, at least in my opinion. <laughs> will Brand, Do you think the Tigers will be playing with Brandon Inch the rest of the year? Will he be playing in the lineup?
1: Unless the Tigers tell Brandon he's not going to play, he's going to play. Brandon Inge is, among all the guys on this team, he's probably the one guy that if you were to go back in time 50 years and drop him onto a major league roster, he would fit right in. He's a tough guy, he's a gamer, and he's a warrior, and and that's what's kept him around so long. Uh, You have to respect that, and I know that he's in a lot of pain, but reading some of the comments from from Kevin Rand, when you say a tear – you're talking about those small little. I believe he called them micro tears. This is not completely severed uh, from the knee joint, so it, it's tolerable. He'll get cortisone here and there. He'll he'll get a couple of extra days off here and there. But uh, unless he aggravates the injury further, if it's just a question of playing through pain, I think Brandon will be there all year. If he aggravates it further, then the Tigers are in a very interesting predicament, because I don't know who would take over third base if Brandon were to to go down for any extended length of time.
0: This is why Brandon Inge is such a fan favorite. He says, quote, this year we're in the hunt, we're playing hard, and we feel we have a great chance. How could I come out of the race in this close of a race when the fans in Detroit are going through what they're going through? He's not thinking about himself completely, he's thinking about the fans out there as well, and Greg, and that's why everybody loves him, isn't it?
2: Well, you're talking to a guy who wrote a a column that suggested he should be the next one of the next uh, statues out in Comerica Park, and I wasn't being <laughs> tongue in cheek when I wrote it. So you're not going to get anything but but positive words for me about Brandon Inge. The funny thing about Inge, though, is that I wasn't on the band of the Brandon Inge bandwagon uh, when, about five years ago, that, after the Tigers signed uh, Ivan Rodriguez, and I thought he came off kind of sounding like a petulant, pouting kid, which he was, uh, because he hadn't proved a lot in the major leagues at that point. But the thing about uh, him is that he. He knows what it's like to be down in the dumps, both as a as an individual, uh, a struggling ball player, and as a team. I mean, don't forget this—he played on the forty-three and one hundred nineteen team of, of two thousand and three, uh, and you know he knows. And then, as recently as last year, he was a man without a position. So he is very, very grateful for everything he's gotten in this game. And I, Jay it, it said it marvelously when he said that you could plop him down on any major league roster over, the, over many many decades. And he would fit it. He would fit. In fact, I think he fits more in in the older days than he does today with the way that the ball players are today. I mean, I, I could see him on the Gas House Gang of the Cardinals in the 30s, and and if those great Tigers teams in the 60s. I, you know, he is um, somebody somebody really special. And the fact that he went out and reached out to the fans like that and, and made it a point to to talk about their struggles, um, you just don't see that from a lot of athletes in Detroit um, and or anywhere, frankly. And that. Uh, And you're right, that's one of the reasons why he's a fan favorite and
0: always will be. Well, the Detroit Tigers really hoping for a playoff push, and what they'll need to do to do that, according to most people out there, is add a bat or add an arm. We'll start with the arm. Bullpen-wise, a lot of talk. Fox Sports is reporting that possibly the Tigers could go after Heath Bell, the closer for the San Diego Padres. That would take a lot to get him. But let's just start off simply. We've talked about this in the future or in the past – but right now, it's a different predicament. Do you get an, a bullpen arm if you have a choice, or do you go and get a bed? We'll start with Jay Ellett. Uh,
1: can I choose both?
0: Yeah, you can <laughs> choose
1: both. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two needs, big time, and especially now with Zumaia's injury and his brief ineffectiveness before that. I like Heath Bell. Uh, in addition to proving himself as a closer this year, let's not forget, he was the setup man to Trevor Hoffman for, you know, for a little while before that. He's proven he can handle the eighth inning role. And a lot of times when guys target a closer and bring him in and shift him back to that eighth or seventh inning role, they struggle. Brandon Lyon did early this year before he figured it out. I like Heath Bell a lot. I think he's a better option than guys like uh, Raphael Betancourt or Houston Street. His price tag is another issue. Um, don't know off the top of my head what his contract is like, but I I don't believe he's free agent eligible at the end of the season. So with, the longer a team has control over a guy, the more they're going to want for him in return.
0: It's going to be an interesting situation when you look at the bullpen, Greg. Say you bring in a Heath Bell or or somebody else that is a closer. You keep Fernando Rodney as a closer, correct? You know what?
2: You probably would. Uh, it would be kind of going against the grain to... to Bring a guy in and, and, and uh, take that job away from the incumbent. Uh, this at this stage of the season, of course, you can do whatever you want, but uh, you got to look at other factors and tangibles about that. And um, and you know, like uh, like Jay said, you know, Heath Bell has is, is, uh, set up one of the best closers in the history of baseball. And he appeared in 81 games two years ago, 74 games last year. He's he's obviously very durable. Uh, he's pitched uh, a lot of innings as a relief pitcher anyway. Um, but it, like like Jay also said, it has to do with with price tag. They're not going to give them away. And uh, whether the Tigers have what they what the Padres want um, is a totally uh, different story. We don't know.
0: Well, we'll start with you, Greg, and we'll go to Jay Ellett, and we'll talk about relief arms here. Greg, is there anybody out there you really want them to target in the bullpen?
2: You know, I. I hadn't really thought, I hadn't really given a lot of thought to the bullpen, I'll be honest with you, up until recently with Joel's injury. I, I thought that before Joel went down, even though he's had his moments this year of of, uh, of uh, fright, <laughs> I was, you know, I, up until Friday night in New York, I was counting on the guy, frankly. So I didn't really give a lot of thought to the bullpen. I was thinking more in terms of offense. So now I'm scrambling, um to 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 think of guys uh nobody really springs to mind off the top of my head i i, I think that uh uh i'm always concerned about um, i would like the, whoever to get though i would like it to be a guy who's got a strikeout pitch i think what the tigers are lacking right now is a guy in the bullpen who can get a strikeout on command and uh we've got a lot of guys that can pitch to contact as, as they say but sometimes you just need a good old fashioned strikeout and that's what Joel was able to provide, even though he wasn't doing this consistently as consistently he, as he used to do. But whoever they get, I hope they get a guy that's got a nasty strikeout pitch, that when he gets ahead in the count, uh, gets two strikes on a hitter, he's either going to get a strikeout or he's going to make that hitter be so defensive at the plate that he's not going to get a good swing.
0: Greg, I'll agree completely with you. It's like the third KO in a round when Joel Zumaya went out. You don't think about it. It could happen, and then it happens, and you don't think about the solutions right away. But we'll go to Jay Ellett. Maybe he's come up with some solutions in the bullpen. Are there any arms out there, Jay Ellett, that you've been looking at?
1: Well, the, the three names that we, we spoke about a moment ago, Heath Bell, and I, I mentioned Raphael Betancourt and Houston Street, are the most talked about options that seem to be available right now whether they'll end up coming to Detroit is anybody's guess. Uh, the problem is there are several other relief pitchers on the market that, or you know, in the game that I think would fit nicely with the Tigers, but so many teams are still in contention at this point that they're not willing to move them. Uh, there's two guys for the Mariners, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Mark Lowe and Sean White, that we're seeing in this series that I think would fit very nicely in the Tigers' bullpen, but the Mariners are in it realistically a lot of teams still are and unless things change in the next week the only players i think you're going to see moving are guys that are impending free agents that the club feels they're not going to be able to bring back so that it's a limited market right now for relievers unfortunately
0: let's make the switch over to the bats and according to fox sports they're all over this trade talk that matt holiday the tigers put in an offer sheet for Matt Holiday and then the A's sent back a list of prospects that they were interested in Casey Crosby was on that list but the Tigers reportedly have no interest in giving him up for a guy like Casey Crosby and some other prospects Jay would you go and get a Matt Holiday a bat like that
1: I wouldn't go get a Matt Holiday but I would be more than willing to move Casey Crosby for for an impact bat. Uh, I may be uh, in the northern but I don't think Matt Holiday is the answer um As far as evaluating Crosby and his future, the Tigers' farm system is stocked with pitching. Dave Dombrowski has drafted pitching predominantly over the last five years, and you do so for two reasons. Number one, to bring them all up to your team, or number two, to go out and acquire a player you need. And it's clear the Tigers need a bat. So uh, I would have no problem moving Crosby. I would have no problem moving Lucas Figueroa, any of the, the up-and-coming arms that they have, even a Scott Drucker, if it meant bringing in a hitter, the, the question is uh, the price tag, again, which we've talked about. Guys like Aubrey Huff, guys like Luke Scott, guys like Nick Johnson, they're asking prices high right now because, again, there are so many teams in contention and so few sellers, perceivably right now, that uh, the price tags are high.
0: One team that's known to be sellers is the Baltimore Orioles in the past, and currently right now it seems like they're going to move into that situation. Aubrey Huff is a guy that I really like because he's played third base in the past. He can play some first base and fill in there. He can play in the outfield, and he can DH. Not a regular third base, but this might be a guy that can give some rest to Brandon Inch. What do you guys think of Aubrey Huff coming in to the Detroit Tigers if the price is right? We'll start with Jay.
1: Aubrey Huff is the guy that I I have been – hoping for for probably three or four weeks now and I think he would be perfect for so many of the reasons that you talked about. Um, If Brandon is succumbing to that injury at all and needs a break, Aubrey Huff is a guy who could play there sporadically, not regularly. He could spell Miguel Cabrera at first base. He can play in the corner outfield and he's also left-handed. He had the highest OPS of any DH in the American League last year. Uh, uh, I think he would be a tremendous fit and he is a free agent at the end of this year and Baltimore has several guys ready to step in and fill his spot. So I think he is uh, the most likely candidate. It's going to come down to, to what the Orioles want and what the Tigers are willing to give up.
0: Greg, Aubrey Huff is seems to us like the bat to get. Is that your opinion, too, or is there somebody else that you think they should grab?
2: You know, Huff is very intriguing and certainly would be, I think, a good fit because of the, the third base situation. But my dark horse, and, I, and I, I'm going to admit that this is, a dark horse would be Adam Dunn because he's a guy that the Nationals just signed to a big contract. It, it, this would be, I know, another big contract that the Tigers would have to um, devour. But he's in the first year of that contract, and, and he's still only he's only going to be I think he's going to be 30 this year at the end of at the end of the year. He's having a marvelous year playing for a bad team, playing in a, in a very weak lineup. He's a left-handed hitting uh, uh, corner outfielder. Um, if the Tigers are going to be bold, and if Mike Illich does what he says, what he's already said, he, he has said on record that the, 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 the money was not going to be an object. When he was talking about the Tigers, this was going back about a month and a half ago. But he says, if we're in it, we're going to do whatever we can to win it. And Adam Dunn is a guy that you got to look at. Because, I mean, this guy is going to be, I think, a beast for the next several years. He would be wonderful in that lineup. He would be an instant impact guy if the Tigers were going to take on some money, I know they already got a lot of money right now and tied up on some people, but they also might be able to release some people too, then this is a guy that you might want to take a look at.
0: I couldn't agree more. I don't, I'm not one of those people that really love Adam Dunn, but I think you do a couple things when you add Dunn. Like you said, he's under contract, so when you clear some of the money last year from this year and you go into free agency, this could be your free agent, so to speak. Plus, he helps you in... He helps you in the rest of the 2009 season, so I do like that ad. Well, before we take off, guys, I want to get your predictions on the upcoming week with the White Sox in town. We'll start with Jay Ellett. What do you think the Tigers need to do, and what do you think they will do coming into that series?
1: Well, what they need to do is score runs, and uh, what I think they will do is probably not score a lot of runs. Uh, I hate to say it, but the, the White Sox have some good pitchers that they're going to face. Gavin Floyd, uh, John Danks. I, I know he's going to miss a start, but he'll be back in time for the for the Tiger series. I don't know if, if Mark Burley is going to get a uh, going to get around in that uh, in that series or not. But the the question will be: Can they get into the bullpen? Can they get through the starting pitchers? Because the White Sox bullpen has been suspect lately. Uh, we Need to continue to get good frontline starting pitching from Justin and Edwin and they're going to need to find a way to to wake up the bats. Um otherwise it, it you could perceivably see the Tigers out of first place by the end of this weekend.
0: We'll go to Greg now and with the White Sox coming up, what are your predictions? What are you hoping for?
2: Well, I think that uh they're, They're definitely going to have to score some runs because the White Sox are going to score some runs. I know that the, we, the Tigers are going to counter with uh, Verlander and Jackson this weekend, of course, going to this weekend, but there are so many Tiger killers on that roster. Um, you know, Jermaine Dye has just devoured the Tigers over the past several years. Uh, Paul Kinerkel is having a comeback player of the year type year. I mean, he's already eclipsed the number of home runs. He's about, to, he's about to eclipse the amount of home runs he hit all of last year, and he's got the same amount of RBI now. That he had all of last year, and he's hitting about 60 points higher than he did last year. So he's he's a comeback player of the year guy. He's hurt the Tigers in the past. The whole team has hurt the Tigers in the past. The White Sox have had a really, has, have had a lot of success against the Tigers, whether it's been in Detroit or in Chicago. Uh, they're going to have to score runs, uh, and uh, there's, they're not going to win any 2 to 1 games against these guys. You, you're going to have to score some runs, and you're going to have to uh, you know, get some guys out because uh, they they can they can really wear you out. It's going to be. I would love to see them just split this series, obviously, just to kind of kick off four more games off the schedule. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, this could be uh, the way they're playing right now. They could lose three out of four if they don't uh, they don't pick it up offensively.
0: Well, guys, that's going to wrap up this part of the podcast. I want to thank Jay Elliot Lambie of Eye of the Tigers for joining me and Greg Eno of Greg Eno Hopefully the next time we talk, the Tigers will add one or two more pieces to the puzzle. Have a good weekend, guys. Thanks, Joe. When we come back, we'll take a look at one prospect on the prowl, somebody we've mentioned already in the show, Mr. Casey Crosby. That and more coming up on the 5th edition of This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball. It's Minner at the 30. He's to the 20. Cuts outside at the 15. Minner to the 10. Minner to the 5. Touchdown!
1: I don't care if he's slash, dash, double, or trouble. D'Angelo Williams has the goods to play in the National Football League. Blanker right, split and left. DeLone on a handoff up the middle. D'Angelo Williams first into the clear and takes it to the house for a score. It's the show that's all about your Carolina Panthers
0: the great debate, the interview, and much, much more, including interviews and opinion. It's the best Carolina Panthers podcast alive. Catch it at catgrave.com.
1: They're not growling. They're not biting. Heck, they're not even angry. But these young players have a future in the old English D. It's time for Prospects on the Prolo on MotorCityBengals.com. Here's Joe Dexter.
0: Welcome back to This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, episode number five. It's time to take a look at your prospect on the problem this week. And for this episode, we take a look at a hard-throwing lefty and at 6'5 and 200 pounds, Casey Crosby has been nothing short of special this year. He's 7-3 and on the year, 2.99 ERA for the low-A West Michigan Whitecaps. He started 19 games, 81 innings pitch, only 27 earned runs, meanwhile striking out 94. The Tigers like this arm so much that they refused to trade him to Oakland for Matt Holliday in trade talks. They they threw that off the table, and meanwhile Matt Holliday has headed to St. Louis. Now Crosby has been a special prospect he fell in the 2007 draft all the way to 181st overall, and the Tigers did pay a bit more than that slot offers to retain. At Crosby, and he's been special so far, he looks to be a top-five pitcher in the future, possibly a long-term number 3 starter in the rotation. When Crosby was drafted, it was thought he was the best left-hander out of high school in the draft, and the Tigers were able to scoop him up. We'll see if his future pans out in a Detroit Tigers uniform. When we come back, we'll wrap up this episode of this week in Detroit Tigers baseball. We'll take a look at the upcoming schedule. We'll be right back. All star fans, all star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man. I'm forty. Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. FandomSighted.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the Internet. Welcome back to this week in Detroit Tigers baseball episode number five. I am your host Joe Dexter. Let's take a look at the upcoming schedule for the Detroit Tigers. Well, the Tigers took two big games yesterday in a doubleheader over the White Sox. They win the first one five to one, and then win the second one four to three. The Detroit Tigers will take on the White Sox in a key game today at four o five. You can catch the action on. Fox against the White Sox, also against the White Sox at 8.05 on Sunday on ESPN. In the upcoming week, the Detroit Tigers will try and improve that road record that has been horrendous so far this year. They'll head to Arlington to take on the Texas Rangers. All games at 8.05 on Fox Sports. Detroit all week up till Wednesday, and then against Cleveland, series gets underway on the weekend starting the 31st. As the Tigers head into play this afternoon, they are two games up on the Chicago White Sox. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball. I am your host, Joe Dexter, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, we'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to email us, MotorCityBengals at gmail.com. Motor City Bengals also has a 24-hour phone line that you can call at 231-683-1367. That's 231-683-1367. Special thanks to Greg Eno and J.L. at Lambie of GregEno.com and EyeOfTheTigers.com. Check out their great content. For MotorCityBengals.com and the Fan sided Network, I'm Joe Dexter. Go Tigers! It was great to be a Tiger fan with the Georgia peach and Wahoo Sam. They won the pennant three years in a row. Then Heilman led the squad Batting titles in years that were odd Brick Stadium always had A hitting show I'm talking baseball Hank and Charlie slugging